This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Amen. We want to welcome all of you that are watching online and uh, delighted you can be with us. Hope you got a Bible there someplace. Praise God so we can get into the book and let the book get in us. Glory to God. Amen. Joe, bring your Bibles with you this evening. I want to give you a good message. How many of you enjoyed Tommy last week? Yeah, he did a good job, from what I understand, anyway. I haven't watched it as yet, but, uh, you know, uh, uh, they uh, are in Montana now. Uh, he and uh, his wife, uh, Linda, are out there seeing their kids. they got grandkids, all kinds of grandkids that live out there, and so uh, we're delighted they can get away for a little bit and enjoy all of that. Linda was actually here in the uh, sanctuary tonight uh, via... <laughs> I don't know, whatever equipment they use so that she can talk to the musicians and singers while they're doing it. And so it's really good. Praise God. Amen. 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 Did y'all bring a Bible? Okay. Or a device. You got something going on, don't you? All right. Look with me. Uh, I, I kind of, uh, we were worshiping the Lord and I kind of got a little shift in gears here. Uh, so I want to start, um, well, <laughs> yeah, differently. Let's turn to uh, Joshua, um, uh, chapter, uh, uh, praise God, 14, I think it is, yeah. Joshua, chapter 14. Hallelujah. I'm so glad tonight to be able to share the Word of God with you. Glory to God. I'm just going to wind you up real tight, praise God, and just turn you loose on the world. That'd be all right? How about the other six of you? Well, I tell you what, man, this is a tough crowd, honey. Start the car. Glory to God. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna make all kinds of headway here this evening. Hallelujah. I want to talk to you about something uh, last month uh, when I um, had the privilege of being able to share on one of the Sunday mornings. I talked about living in, uh, uh, in victory and uh, living a victorious life. And all of us we face challenges, but I'm so glad for what Jesus did. Because when he went to that cross, bled and died, went into that grave and came out of it, the Bible says that he ascended up on high and led captivity captive. And it also says that he's now seated at the right hand of our Father. And he said this, he said, all power and authority is given to me both in heaven and earth. And so I want you now to go in my name and do the works that I have asked you to do. Praise God. And he said, I have the keys. Keys represent authority. People that have keys can get you in places where nobody else can. And he said, I have the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Hallelujah. And so thank God for the life that we have in him. Thank God for the redemption that he's provided for us. And you know, the reality is, is this is a very practical kind of uh, lesson that I want to share with you this evening. It does involve your participation. It does involve your knowing certain things. But I tell you what, praise God, you've been around this church long enough. I know you know a little something. Hallelujah. And you know, when you participate in the things that, that Jesus told us, and when you walk in the light of them, I'm telling you, great grace can rest upon your life in a powerful kind of way. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. And so it's important for us to understand that we do have a part to play. There are things that Jesus has provided for us as believers and children of God, redemptively, where he's taken us out from under the tyranny of sin and death, thank God, and he's given us life, and he's given it to us more abundantly. Now, of course, the God of this world likes to make an attempt to try to usurp his authority in our lives. But the truth be told, the only thing, I mean, he's been stripped of his power. So the only thing that he can do to thwart the will of God in your life is to lie to you and you believe it. He is the father of lies. The Bible says there is no truth in him. So deception is his mode of operandi. And he tells people all kinds of things based upon circumstances, situations, different things that are going on within their lives, things that are in this temporal world that he imposes upon them to make them think that what God has said is not true. But nothing could be further from the truth. Are you listening to me? You're familiar with the scripture there in John, or I'm sorry, 1 Peter chapter 5. When Peter was writing, he said, be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, as uh, the devil, uh, 
as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. Didn't say he could, but he's sure looking. Are you listening to me? And then the next scripture is what I really want you to get, where it says, whom, who knows the next word? Resist. Whom resist? Everybody say resist. Sometimes you got to resist the devil. You say, no, you don't, devil. You are not coming in here. I use the analogy all the time, but I mean, if I had a screen door, you know, a sliding glass door to the back of my house, and I had the screen door open, and all of a sudden some coon crawled up on the deck, you know, and decided he's going to rip a big old hole in that, in that screen, and he came in, you know, I wouldn't be saying, hey, I'm so glad you're here. Come on in. Tear everything else up. Eat all you want. Do whatever you do. And, uh, you know, make a happen. No, man, I'd be after him. And sometimes in our Christian lives, we tolerate things that are not ours to tolerate. And so you as a believer have to, nobody else is going to do this for you. You have to address the issue that is before you, whatever that might be. Are you listening to me? I said, are you listening to me? Now, you know, here's another thing. You know, people, I mean... Um, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that people don't understand that you have to usurp the authority that's been given to you. It can't be something where, you know, well, I'm just waiting on God, you know, and I'm sure, you know, hoping God will come through. And, you know, I mean, he, you know, he's just trying to teach me patience. Well, it may be a thing where you, child of God and believer, need to begin to declare the will of God where your life is concerned and not wait. For example, you know the story quite well, you know, I mean, um, Jesus uh, had his disciples there together with him on an occasion, and he said, who do people say that I, the Son of Man, am? They said, well, wow, man, it's all over the place. I mean, People are thinking you're Elijah or one of the prophets, you know, maybe John the Baptist raised from the dead and this and that and the other. But here's an interesting and an important point for each and every one of us here tonight. And that is that he pointedly and directly looked them in the eye and said, who do you say that I am? So I want to ask you that tonight. Who do you say that Jesus is in your life? Well, I haven't made much of a confession. I haven't talked much about that. I'm not really sure. Or well, we need to get sure, and we need to know what it is and who he is where our lives are concerned. In other words, you could say, Father, I'm so glad that you're my Redeemer. And that you've redeemed my life from destruction. And greater is he that is in me than he that's in this world. Lord, even though hell may be showing up on my doorstep, thank God you've made me more than a conqueror through him that loved me. And because of the greater one in me, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so I rejoice in your goodness. Glory to God. And devil, I serve you. Notice that you will have no place in my life where these matters are concerned because I serve the most high God. Hallelujah. Now, most people won't do that. I said most people won't do that. They don't feel comfortable about it. They don't feel necessarily confident about it. But I'm telling you this much about it, you guys. God, heaven, and hell need to hear your voice. Are you listening to me? And, then, and there is something that God has deposited within you, child of God, called the Holy Ghost. You know, Jesus said you will receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you so that from your innermost being can come these declarations and glory to God. I'll tell you what, if you'll begin to do that, life will look different for you. Things will change where your life is concerned. Not only that, your attitude, your heart, your perspective, all of the things you know that that give shape to who we are will begin to change because glory to God, you're beginning to realize and understand that there is a reality that belongs to you that you are entitled to enjoy not because of you but because of him are you listening to me and it's important you know praise God sometimes you know it wasn't just here last week you know something came up I said devil you know and the thing about it is we're notorious for this we wait for days 
You know, something's, you know, beating us up and, you know, we're just, you know, up against a wall on something. Why? Why, 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 why? Everybody say, why? Yeah, why do we wait? And finally, you know, the realization comes to me, dude, get your tongue, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and say something. And sure enough, got after it, things started to change. You know, are you listening to me? People say, well, that's foolish. Well, you might think it's foolish. You may think it's presumptuous. I like to call it faith. Huh? And so it's important. Tell find Joshua chapter 14. Look at this with me for just a moment. You're familiar with this, uh, <clears throat> this particular um, story. It's about the nation of Israel. It's about... Uh, Joshua having filled the shoes of Moses, and that he's the one who's going to be the one that leads him into uh, their land of promise, the land of Canaan. The generation before them have all died off with the exception of Joshua and Caleb. And so as they went in to uh, possess the land, uh, I want you to notice, uh, jump in with me here in verse 6 of the 14th chapter. It says here, then the children of Judah came unto Joshua in Gilgal, Gilgal, the children of Judah. So there's 12 different tribes, all right? And there was, um, I think, two tribes or maybe three that had gained their possessions on the other side of Jordan. And now they're all going in and they're all helping to take and possess the land for the rest of the tribes, for the exception of... Uh, uh, the Levites, of course, because they were the priests. But notice what it says here. <clears throat> that it says, uh, uh, The children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb, who was of the tribe of Judah, um, the son of Jephaniah, Kenzanite unto him. And he said, You know the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and you when we were in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old uh, when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren went up, those that went with me, made the heart of the people, what's that next word? Melt. Melt. You know, when you get around people that are discouraging and negative, they are not the people that you want to be around. Are you listening to me? Because the thing is, is they bought up an evil report, the Bible says, and in an entire generation, an entire generation of people missed out on the blessing of God because of 10 men that said we couldn't. He said they made the heart of the... That's what doubt and unbelief will do. You know, it'll, I mean, it'll corkscrew you in the ground. So you need to find people that you can hang out with that are people of faith. Amen. And so anyway, he goes on then to say, he said they made the heart of the people melt. Now listen, but I wholly or completely followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day that whereon my feet in that land had trodden, they would be my inheritance and my children's forever because you and I had wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive these 40 and 5 years, even since the Lord spoke those words to Moses while... Um, the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day 85 years old, and yet I am as strong now today as I was the day when Moses said it to me, strength as it was then, so it is now for war to go out, to come in. Now listen to this. Now, therefore, give me this mountain. Glory to God. That's, that's good preaching ground right there. You know, give me the mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day, for you heard it, and so on and so forth. And Joshua in 13 blessed him and gave to Caleb and the sons of Jephunneh Hebron for their inheritance. And that's where the sons of Anak were, the giants. So they left the best for last. Praise God, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. And they possess this land. Now, I love this guy. I mean, if I want to be, you know, if I want to emulate somebody... Here's the guy. 
Are you listening to me? He waited on these Nerf balls for 45 years in order to be able to gain or obtain an inheritance that he could. I mean, you know, if you wanted to get all chapped about, you know, somebody messing up your life, that would be it. But nevertheless, praise God, he chose to go in and do what it is that the Lord said. I want you to back up in chapter 6 with me and notice this. Um, this, is, this is their going in at the very beginning. And I want you to notice something here. Hallelujah. Now Jericho, in verse 1, was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. In other words, they had locked the doors. They were nervous. None went in, none came out. Notice verse 2. The Lord said to Joshua, look or see, I have given unto thine hand Jericho, the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor. Now let me ask you an important question here this evening. When God said this to Joshua, did he literally have the, the city of Jericho and the people and the king and everything in it in his hands? Had he, had, had he taken possession of it yet? No. But yet God said, look, I've given it to you. But he had to go possess it, didn't he? And so the Lord instructed them what to do about going around each day for, you know, seven days. And on the seventh day, they went seven times and they shouted. And as I understand it, my wife and I had the privilege of being over there. You know, when, when they began to shout, the walls didn't fall down. The walls, they say, literally were driven down into the ground. Now that's supernatural. And they went across and maybe... Uh, they laid waste to whatever was on the other side. But I want you to know, again, in, in, in making reference to this, that redemptively, there are things that now belong to you as his child. And it's just like he's saying, look, girl, boy, I want you to know I have given you this land. I've given you what you need for joy and peace in your life. I've given you what you need to enjoy health and well-being. I've given you what you need for resource and whatever it is that you, I mean, to have a family and to, you know, do the things, praise God, that bring glory and honor to my name. They're yours. Just go get them. And they did, you know, in this story they did. And what's unfortunate, though, is, is a lot of people, and I'm talking about Christians, you know, they're waiting on God. They're waiting for him to do something about their situation, you know. And the fact of the matter is, is God's waiting for them. He says, look, I've already done it. But we don't know the reality of that, so we don't really walk in the light of it, and we don't exercise ourselves in those kinds of things. I used the example last week, I think, when I was preaching about, you know, if somebody gave you a call, you know, at the bank down here, you know, and said, hey, listen, uh, somebody just came in. I mean, I know you're not going to believe this, but, you know, they just came in and, and they paid for a house in your name. Everything's paid for. All you got to do is come sign this paper of release and, and the thing is yours. And you could sit on the other end of the phone and say, I ain't believing that. There ain't no way. Nobody does. Who does that? No, uh-uh, not me. And you'd be sitting in the wilderness when somebody had already provided something for you and all you had to do is go sign your name. The same thing is true when it comes to these promises that God has. He said, man, look, I've given you the land. I've given you what you need to have life and life more abundantly. So you got to say with your mouth, Father, I'm having me some of that. I'm going to enjoy life and life more abundant. I'm not having hell on earth. I'm not having hell in my family. I'm not having it in the name of Jesus. Are you listening to me? Because hell will show up wherever, whether it's invited or not. And you just got to say, you are not welcome here. Are you with me? I said, are you with me? You know, sometimes, I mean, hallelujah, um, well, I'm going to go into wild territory here. But, you know, there's some immediate family members, even extended family members, you know, that uh, they bring hell to your house. And you should tell them, we're not having hell in this house. Okay? I love you. We love you. And you're welcome. But we're not having this. 
Because some people, unfortunately, if they don't know God and they're unregenerate, a lot of times they're used to stir the pot, make all kinds of problems. Am I I in the right house? And so you just have to say, again, you're not being adversarial about it, but dude, you got to put a lock and a key on your door. Huh? Shut the sliding glass door so that the coon can't get in. You know what I'm saying? Huh? My wife, I can tell you right now, she shut that door. That coon would be standing out there, you know, and sniffing around, whatever, and she'd say, do something about that. Huh? Are you listening to me? So you got to do the same kind of thing. Now, look with me in this, this uh, turn back to Numbers chapter 14, and um, notice something here. Now, Numbers chapter 13 and 14 is when all of this was initiated 40 years before you know, when God was going to have them enter the land, but they all ended up dying in the wilderness. But um, he'd been so patient with them. Aren't you amazed how God is so patient with us? And he loves us so much. And if we would just begin to think about what it is that he said, you know, well, I don't think that works, you know, I don't, this. Well, there again, you know, you're on the other end of the phone, and somebody's made an offer to you, and you say, well, I don't believe that. Well, you can't, you can't enjoy it. Are you with me? So notice here with me in Numbers chapter 14. Um, after um, they'd said that they couldn't do it, um, actually, God judged them out of their own mouth. You know, would, you know, they were talking about dying in the wilderness, and he said, okay. That's exactly what's going to happen. You'll wander around. Then they changed their tune. He said, no, it's too late. I've dealt with you these 10 different times trying to get you. I've showed myself so strong in your, in your situation, and yet you, you, you won't believe I'm, I'm done. How I many of you know, uh, aren't you glad for the long suffering of God? I mean, come on, 10 times. You know? And they said, no, 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 we'll go, we'll go. He said, don't you go up, because if you do, you're going to get spanked. And they did, you know? But notice what it says here, uh, uh, verse 23 says, Surely they'll not see the land that I swore to their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoke me see it. But, look at verse 24, But my servant Caleb, listen, because he had another spirit with him or about him and has followed me fully, I'm going to bring him into the land wherein he went and his seed will possess it. He had another spirit about him. What kind of spirit was it? It was the spirit of faith. I said it was the spirit of faith. He said, I brought them word again as was in my heart. God said, I've given you the land. He said, yeah, it looks ugly and there's a bunch of giants and walled cities and all kinds of things we got to deal with. But glory to God, let us go up at once because we are well able. Hallelujah. He wasn't talking about what he couldn't do. He was talking about what he could do. And that's what the child of God, the believer, you, me, that's that's what we need to be doing where our lives are concerned. There's so much weight that's being pressed upon people in these last days. I tell you, glory to God. You got to shake that snake off into the fire. Are you listening to me? You got to get your joy back, glory to God. You got to believe in the Lord your God so that you can prosper and believe his prophets so that you can be established in him. Hallelujah. You're a child of the living God. I'm telling you what, glory to God. If he's got to move heaven and earth, he can make it happen. There's no politician, no policy, no nothing that can keep God's grace and blessing out of your life if you'll just believe him. Are you listening to me? He is the God that is more than enough. Are you listening to me? You know, they're ramping up all this deal about recession. They're ramping up all this deal about inflation caused by this and that and the other. And bad. Yeah, they're bad, Paul. You're stupid policies. But yet, right on the other hand, God is able. Thank God I'm not operating on the world's economy. I am operating on His. Hallelujah. Woo! So God's given us victory. Can you say amen? 
And that's why I want to talk to you about living victoriously in these last days. You know, wouldn't it be good somebody would come along and say to you, hey, what is with you anyway? You say, what are you talking about? Well, dude, you're full of joy. You're happy. And nobody's, you know, I mean, are you on drugs or, you know, what are you doing here? No, man, praise God, I know in whom I have believed, and I know that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him. Hallelujah. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Are you listening to me? So that way, then, you, you know, <laughs> they might say, well, you know, I need a little bit of that joy. And you can say, I know exactly how to get it. And you can enjoy it. Can you say amen? He paid. Jesus paid an incredible price for you and I to be able to enjoy this peace and joy. Praise God. Lay your head down on that pillow at night and say, Father, I thank you that everything that I have, everything I own is yours. And you're able to keep me. Glory to God. You give your beloved sweet sleep. Amen. That's what Jesus paid for. But you and I have to possess it, take it, claim it, if you want to call it that. Declare it if it's necessary. Some of you, you lay around tossing, turning, flopping around like a fish in your bed half the night, worrying about this. Man, dude, you've got to get up. You've got to say, devil, if it's a fight you want, it's a fight you got. And then you just get up and begin to praise God and thank God and remind yourself of the exceeding great and precious promises that are yours to enjoy and tell him about them. Tell him about them. It is amazing how quickly he stops talking and you can't hear anything from him anymore. It's like, hey, devil, where'd you go? Are you with me? Say, yeah, but I don't want to get out of bed. Okay, flop. Flop like a fish, you know? I don't like to get out of bed either, but I'm telling you what, you know, if it's got to be done, it's got to be done. Thanks for your enthusiasm. Hallelujah. Here's the deal. The fact is you're victorious, man. God has made you more than a conqueror through him that loved you. So you got to start seeing yourself as a victor. you got to start believing that you are a victor because you are. I can't help it. That's what he did for you. Huh? You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's just kind of a done thing, you know, but, but to, to, to experience it in a practical kind of way, the things that I'm talking to you about right here, right now, are things that we have to do. Are you with me? Hallelujah. And, you know, the lies and the deceptions of hell, you know, they keep people in bondage because they've never... They've never risked to believe, if that's the right word to use, uh, it's not the right word, but it's the only one I can come up with right now, you know, that, that really what God has said in the New Testament is actually true for you and for me, glory to God. So as we discover the truth, we can walk into the liberty that Christ has came to give each and every one of us. Thank God for his living word. Can you say Amen. You know, I can only speak for myself, but when I was 19, I didn't know nothing about the Bible. When I got born again on the 27th day of August, I didn't know anything about the Bible. I didn't know anything about the promises of God, but I began to learn. And I began to find out. I began to discover. And oh, what a journey. Glory to God. To discover what it is that God had paid for through the sacrifice of his son for me. And not only just me, but everybody. Glory to God. I mean, it's worth serving God for all of your life, for all of eternity. It's worth it. Hallelujah. And people just need to discover it. Glory to God. You know, there's two things I talked about there about understanding victory, about, you know, uh, uh, two things to understand about victory. Number one, it's not something external. It's something internal. You got to get it on the inside of you. Hallelujah. And of course, part of that's because we have the greater one on the inside of us. So victory is not external. Victory comes from within. And it has to be, it's got to be built in there, you guys. I mean, again, when I got, first got saved, I mean, I didn't know very much. I didn't, I had no foundation. You know, all I knew is that Jesus loved me, washed me uh, in his blood, and praise God, I had no more conscience of sin. Whoo, glory to God. 
So it was from there this edifice began to be built. The truths of God's word, you know, block by block and getting past all of the stuff that I had to unlearn. Any of you have to unlearn some stuff? Oh, yeah, man. I mean, all kind of things that come our way. And so it, it, it began to be built. Now, I'll give you a, a practical example about this thing about victory. Everybody say, I am a victor. I am a victor. Everybody say, I am not a victim. Say it again, I am a victor. You know, when I was growing up, and, and I was very much involved with athletics, I had the good fortune of being part of a uh, winning tradition. And I tell you what, uh, I learned so many things from that when I was in high school. And what I mean by that is, is that, you know, when we talked about our engagements in basketball, football, whatever it is that we were doing, track or whatever, we were never talking about whether or not we we're going to lose. We're going to win. And we're not, you know, when he went to these track and invitationals, you know, and all these teams showed up, we weren't planning on being number two or three. We're going to win the invitational. We're going to take it all. Are you listening to me? And I tell you what, that has inherently been built into all of us as children of God. But so I was in that environment. We didn't talk about losing. We didn't talk about defeat. But you'd be surprised how many Christians you listen to, and man, that's all they're talking. Junk. And, the, and, and, it, and it's, there's no condemnation, but the reality is, is they don't know the reality. That praise God, He has provided victory for them. But they're so controlled by environment, associations, circumstances, situations, all of which are telling them, you're never going to make it. There's always going to be obstacles. There's always going to be walled cities. There's always going to be giants. But thank God we're going to go back here where this word is, the stake that we've driven in the ground, and say, hey, this is what the word says, so we're going to walk in the light of that. I don't care what it is. Isn't that what Caleb did? He said, I brought him word again as was in my heart, man. My, 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 uh, countrymen or whatever you want to call them, they made them their hearts melt. But I didn't. I said, let's go. That's the kind of guy you want to hang out with or gal, you know. You know, I mean, we never, we never got on the bus and said, man, I can't wait to lose tonight. It's going to be so awesome. No, we're going to win. And, and winning is what we talked about. That was the discussion. That ought to be your discussion. Are you listening to me? There was never any talk about defeat or losing. And we would rehearse the reasons why we are going to win this battle. We would talk about the quality of our athletes and their capabilities, about the disciplines that we would practice, the effort that we would put into it, the attention as to how we would execute plays. When I was in high school playing football, dude, we were doing plays that were just out of this world. You know, I can't, you know, we call it a flea flicker, but I mean some very technical kinds of plays where a guy would run out for a pass in the flat and, and would catch the ball, and someone would come by, and he'd, he'd flip it to him, a flea flicker. And dude, you know, the other team, they didn't have a clue. They're just, they're just trying to get this guy that used to have the ball. And he ain't got the ball no more because that guy is going for a touchdown. And we would beat people bad. And it felt so good. Now, I guess you got to think about that in the context of the devil. But I mean, it was, it was an amazing thing. I mean, because of the talented nature of the players and uh, the coaching that was able to draw it out. I mean, it was amazing. It was so much fun. We were 27 and 0. Never lost a game, a football game, in our high school career for the first three years of, our, of my uh, high school. And then, and I'm not, I'm not proud of this, then... My senior year, we had the first losing year in like the history of trainer. And I was a senior. Yeah, that's something to be proud about. But there were things that went on in that whole context. Mainly, we lost our coach. 
When I was a junior, it was his last year, we had a brand new coach. And that coach, you know, he just he had a different style. He had a different approach. He had all these different kinds of things. And when you're, when you're used to one thing and then all of a sudden everything gets changed, there's just dissension and there's just, it's, it's hard to get the thing going in the right direction. So no harm, no foul, but you know what I'm saying? Woo, glory to God, Jesus has got this thing figured out. Aren't you glad for that? But, you know, that's the thing. You know, we, 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 we talked about how we, we would exploit the uh, opponent's weaknesses. We'd sit and watch film, say, see that? They don't know what they're doing there, and we can do this. And, I mean, you know, a lot of people, they don't, what are you watching all that film for? Because we want to know who our enemy is. You need to learn who your enemy is. Huh? The first thing you need to know about is know your enemy. Any of you ever seen the movie Patton? Now, sit down, because it'll take you three hours to watch the goofy thing. But, you know, he's in the, at, at night, he's reading Rommel, who was a, a tank commander, and he's reading his book. And so what he's doing is he's getting inside the head of his enemy to find out how he ticks. So they go out on the battlefield, and he's already got figured out what this guy is going to do. And sure enough, he lays a trap for him, and dude, he, he pummels the enemy. And you know, part of the whole movie is he said, I read your book! Well, the thing of it is, maybe we need to read the book and find out who our enemy is and... Treat him with the same. We talked about the values of rest and nutrition and no partying. <laughs> you know, a lot of those teams, they go out on the football uh, you know, field or basketball or whatever, and they're, they're smoking pot and drinking like a bunch of fish. Not us. Nuh-uh. That's not an option. And the upperclassmen seen to it, dude, they beat the living daylights out of you. Are you with me? There are certain disciplines you want to win, then that's what you have to do. Are you with me? Okay, thanks for your enthusiasm about all this. Same thing's true spiritually. You know, you got to take care of yourself. We talked about the psychological advantages of size and numbers. Um, I don't know how many years this was true. I think most of them. There were only 54 kids, boys, in the freshman Sophomore, junior, and senior classes, 54 of them, and 52 of them were out for football. And the other two, they didn't know. They just weren't football material. But I tell you what, I mean, if you were a male and you were in that high school, dude, you were going out for football. Are you listening to me? So we had, you know, I mean, when we come out at home games, you know, man, dude, we'd have kids, I mean, all up and down the field, and they'd have like, you know, 16. Well, I don't know if you know this, but that's, you know, that would give you a bunch of warm fuzzies because the other team has, we talked about morale and attitude and leaving everything on the field and giving your best. The truths of God's eternal word have to be built into your innermost being. And, and there's no way to get around that except for you to give yourself to the Word of God and meditate on the Word so that you can find out these truths. There's a scripture, uh, <clears throat> wow, I can't believe it's this time already. Um, when Paul was talking to Timothy in his second letter, and Timothy had a tough road to hoe, you guys. He was a pastor in Ephesus. He actually was martyred on the streets of Ephesus. and uh, But... One of the things as he was instructing young Timothy, he made this statement to him. This is in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and 15. He said, meditate on these things. Meditate on these things. Meditate on these things. Give yourself wholly or completely to them so that your profiting may appear unto all. You know, sometimes when we have... Uh, troubled areas in our life, man, dude, you got you to gotta hunker down. I, I talked about this a little bit uh, last Sunday about being an instrument-rated pilot, dude. You can't, you can't pussyfoot around. You know, if you, if you are going to be proficient 
and you're going to know what you're doing, and you're going to make sure you don't get yourself killed. you got to know what you're talking about and what you're doing. And the same thing's true. And, you know, in Christianity, you know, everybody's just kind of like, peace, love, dub, man. I mean, you know, come on. You know, we're just all Christians, and we're singing kumbaya. Dude, when you're on the battlefield, there ain't no kumbaya. And you're in a battle. The weapons of our warfare, the Bible says, are not carnal. But they are mighty through God to pull down strongholds, huh? strongholds. You know, some of us, you know, we didn't know, we didn't come to know Jesus and we jacked our lives up and we got all jaded about, you know, some kind of this or that or the whatever that went on in our lives. And now we got to get that healed up. We got to get it removed out of our lives. We got to replace it with something that is strong and solid and good. And that doesn't just happen, you know, by some casual, you know, whatever, whatever. You got to go for it. Are you with me? I mean, you know, when Jesus said all things that are possible to him that believes, man, he, he meant it. But there is a, an investment, a commitment, or a whatever it is that you want to... And some people won't pay it, okay? I get it. I mean, I, I, I understand that. But I'm telling you what, praise God, whoever you are, the sky is the limit, and you can do it. Glory to God forevermore. Can you say Amen. And you might have a lot of folk, you know, that are naysayers and telling you all this and that and the other. You know, the English Standard Version says, immerse yourself in these things. Give yourself wholly to them. The New Living Translation says, give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself. (laughs) That's commitment. Off the cliff. No, it says, throw yourself into your tasks so that everyone will see your progress. So have you got time for a little spiritual exercise on the whole victory thing here with me? Okay, maybe you can write these, these scriptures down if you want to. 1 Corinthians, I was going to use this as my text, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty seven. How many of you know what that says? Huh? Anybody know what that says? Don't be going looking at your Bible. I'm asking you if you know what it says. Huh? Thanks be unto God who gives us the what? How about the rest of you? Thanks be unto God because he does what? He gives us the victory. Glory to God. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, beloved, be steadfast, be unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Man, come on. You know, I mean, well, you know, I just can't. No, come on. You're better than that. You're bigger than that. You're larger than that. Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 2 and 14. No, no, wait a minute. Wait, 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 back up. Don't, don't think about that verse yet. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 15, 57. The context, we're talking about the context in which Paul pens this is your victory over sin and death. Okay? Now, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and 14, the context is that of what we could say, practicing forgiveness. Or you could, I mean, you could put anything in there. You know, you can practice uh, your refusal to be resentful, your refusal to be judgmental. I mean, any of these kinds of things. But, But in that context, 2 Corinthians 2 and 14 says, Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph, hallelujah, in Christ. He always causes us to triumph. He always causes us to triumph. He always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. Well, I can't forgive him. Yeah, you can. You just don't want to. Actually, you really do want to. You just don't know it. You're letting your flesh dominate you. You got your feelings all out there, man. And you're just wanting your pound of flesh. You want your revenge or whatever. Dude, uh, what's that little frozen thing? Let it go, let it go. That's not frozen, is it? It is frozen. Okay, let it go. It's a good message. Let it go. It's not worth holding on to. Especially, you know, people, they're, 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 they are messed up, man, chewed up, bit up. You know, I mean, just, wow. 
because of bitterness or unforgiveness or all of these things. But here, look at this verse, glory to God, you know. Thanks be unto God. You know, if you're in that situation, you can take this verse and I, you can just say, God, I hurt. I'm in such pain. But I'm so thankful that you always cause me to triumph in Christ Jesus. You made a way where there was no way. And I thank you, Lord, for replacing all this hell with heaven and the grace of God upon my life. Woo! Glory to God. That'll preach. Come on. But see, you make the decision. You make the choice. You declare how it's going to be, not somebody else. Hallelujah. 1 John 4.4, 4, the context of 1 John 4.4, 4, standing up to false doctrine and false prophets. Man, dude, they're everywhere. Just turn on the television. They're everywhere on the TV. He said, you are of God, little children. Everybody say, I'm of God. You're of God, little children, and have overcome them. Woo, glory to God. Devil's a liar, pants on fire. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Why? Why, John? Why have we overcome them? Hallelujah. Because greater. Everybody say greater. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory, hallelujah, that overcomes it, even our faith. Who's he that overcomes the world? He that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. How many believers tonight do I have in the house that believe that Jesus is the Christ? Well, then glory to God, you're an overcomer. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Hallelujah. Okay, Romans 8 and 31, the context. Tribulation, distress, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword. In other words, tough places. What's Paul say in the middle of that? So what do we say to these things? That's wild. What do we say to these things. Huh? No, you're getting, you miss. What do you say to those things? Well, you know, I'm just, blah, 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 blah. nope, wrong. Uh-uh. Wrong answer. What do you say to those things? You say, hey, if God be for me, who or what can be against me? Now, I love his reasoning. He said, he that spared not his own son, but, you know, gave him up freely for us all. How shall he not with him freely give us everything we need? Woo, glory. He said, no. In verse 37, we're more than conquerors. Everybody say, I'm more than a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. I said, you're more than a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror through him that loved you. Are you with me? This is a spiritual exercise. We're learning something here tonight. At least I think we are. Hallelujah. At least I am. I'm getting blessed. Of course, I'm the one doing all the, yeah. Nehemiah. You go home and read it. <clears throat> no, we ain't got time. In verse uh, 6 of the fourth chapter, he said, So we built the wall. Everybody say they built the wall. They built the wall. And all the wall was joined together under the half thereof because or for the people had a mind to work. Did you hear me? They built that wall in 52 days. Now, I've been to Jerusalem again, you know, and the, you know, the wall around. And I mean, dude, that was supernatural. But they worked day and night. They worked with a mallet in one hand and a weapon in the other. I mean effort that went into it. And I tell you what, all of their enemies said, nah, they ain't never going to, you know. Remember how they were just chiding them and just making all kinds of, make just, I mean, mocking the living daylights out of them? Dude, they weren't mocking them when all the walls were up and all the gates were hung on, on the, uh, the deal and everything and it was closed up and they had it, baby. Are you listening to me? Everybody say it together, all things are possible. I said all things are possible to him that believes. Glory to God. So, 
The one thing I mentioned is, is that victory is internal, not external. The second thing I was going to talk to you about, even though it's 8.06, is that if you wait for the storm to arrive, you waited too long. Okay? And I can, I'm just going to give you these scriptures, but there's a diligence that has to be a part of our lifestyle. Diligence. Everybody say diligence. You know, Proverbs 10, 4 and 5, Proverbs 10, 24, Proverbs 10, 27. Let me just read them to you real quick. He becomes poor that deals with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He gathers in summer is a wise son. He that gathers in the summer is a wise son, but he that sleeps and harvests is a son that causes shame. Hallelujah. I want to build my house, praise God, before the snowballs start flying. You know what I'm saying? When, when we were first married, we lived in this house, and it was kind of a place in and out of the wind. And um, didn't have a whole lot of insulation in it. And the windows, they had placed these aluminum, you know, storm windows on, but they, they were not good. So before the winter came, I would go up there, take the window off, cover the window with plastic and put the, put the storm window back on. And at least it would cut down on the through the house. You know what I'm saying? But I didn't want to be out there when it was 13 degrees below zero, dude. I wanted to be out there in the fall when the sun was shining, you know, and them little uh, bugs were biting you. You know what I'm saying? That's a better time. Well, in relative terms. The hand of the diligent will bear rule. It doesn't make any difference what people say or this or that or the other. The diligent are going to control the situation. Are you listening to me? He the slothful will be put under tribute. A slothful man roasts not that which he took in hunting, but the substance of the diligent man is precious. The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness. How are you know, diligent people, they're not thinking about just getting by. They're thinking about, praise God, we're going to have something here. And we're going to have enough for ourselves and something to share with others. But it does require being diligent. So these are those verses. Uh, these are in Proverbs chapter 10, 4 and 5, verse 24, verse 27. And then Proverbs 21, 5, you know, and then... Um, Proverbs twenty two twenty nine. see a man diligent in his business, he'll stand before kings and not before obscure men. Now here's a verse of scripture. We've got a little bit more time here. Praise God. Look, look with me in Proverbs 24. Turn over there in your Bibles or your device, whatever you have. Whoo! Whoo! Glory to God. Proverbs uh, 24. And uh, notice verses 3 and 4. Proverbs 24, 3 and 4. Through wisdom, King James says, is a house built. Everybody say built. It's built. It's not like, you know, you just go out there and say, voila. Or you got some magic wand and poof, here's your house. No, it's got to be built. And your spiritual life has to be built. So through wisdom is a house built, and by understanding it becomes established, and by knowledge all of its chambers will be filled with precious and pleasant riches. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? So if it's true in the natural, it's true in your life. It's true in your personal life and in your spiritual life. And so these are things for us to understand. And so what we do... These scriptures I've shared with you, what, the, what do they do? They pull down strongholds and they build new edifices. They talk about who you are. They talk about what you have. It, they talk about what it is he's done. Are you listening to me? And we rehearse them. We wash over. Let the washing of the water of the word rehearse it through and through and through and through and through. And, and, and you know, I tell you what, praise God, I mean, you'll become a <laughs> spiritual juggernaut, glory to God. If you just take the time to do these things, are you listening to me? Hallelujah. Well, they got it better than me. Maybe. Maybe. But I tell you what, don't make no difference where you're at. On the spectrum, 
You can rise to the top. Cream always rises, amen? And you're the cream because you're his child, amen? So, so again, to close with this verse, now notice uh, it's 2 Corinthians 10 and 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or fleshly, but they are woo, mighty. Everybody say mighty. They're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What are the strongholds? Casting down imaginations or arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? And then it says, and having in readiness... To revenge, I don't know how it says, and be ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. That's when you take the sliding glass door and shut it and say, thou shalt not enter. Are you with me? <clears throat> Most Christians don't think in, that ter- in those terms. You say, well, what do you get out of this stronghold thing? Well, a lot of people, they wrestle with you're no good. You're damaged goods. You're whatever, whatever. You were born out of due time. I wasn't planning on, but I turned out all right. At least I think so. She likes me. You know, I guess it's all good. Are you with me? You know? Sometimes things happen, you know? I mean, but hallelujah, what are you going to do about it? I'm going to live my life for Him, glory to God. I wasn't a mistake. God knew that I was going to show up. Huh? Now, somebody else might not have, but He did. And you are good, by the way. The Bible says if you're a child of God, you are the workmanship of God in Christ Jesus unto good works which He has before ordained that you ought to walk in them. So baby, you're the workmanship of God. Amen. If you're a child of God. You know, you'll hear stuff, you know, people, I mean, I'll never make it. I'll never get ahead. I'll never this. I'll never that. All this, all that. You know, and, and it's a stronghold. That's all it is. And it's in their heart and in their minds. And dude, I, you, you got to dig it out with what it is that I just talked to you about. They'll say, you know, they told you you were worthless. Uh, <laughs> you might have a chance if you looked better. You know, I mean, you know, some people think they're looks. I mean, I know some people that aren't that, that, that great to look at. But I'm telling you what, they're making it happen. Are you listening to me? The reason you're not making it is because of them. Oh, that's a big one. Huge stronghold. Offenses, all kinds of things that set themselves or at least make an attempt to set themselves up in people. I'm telling you what, you guys, you cannot afford to have ill will against anybody. It is a price that is too high. And so it just it becomes so imperative that you, that you give diligence to care for that situation in your life. Hallelujah. Get the help you need, you know. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, this, the list is long, the laundry list. You know, you're not smart enough, and you're not good enough, and you're not whatever. They're all lies. They are. Jesus made you who you are, and that's all that really matters. Amen? So, I'm telling you that God, I believe that God is, and he wants to build something beautiful in you, in your life. And I, I think he is. I mean, I see so many of you and others that come on Sunday morning. I see what God has done. Uh, last Sunday, had a guy come, to, come down here after the service. He said, uh, I've only been to this church one other time. This is the second time I've ever been here. I said, well, hey, glad you're here. What's your name? My name's George. I said, so the first time you came, he says, it was uh, January the 25th, 2008. I said, Really? He said, yeah. He says, I came. I was invited to come by somebody, and, and I heard you preach and all this and that and the other. I came down, you know, and, and, you know, went to the front, and then I went and got all the books you gave me and everything. He said, the next day I went into rehab. He said, I stayed there seven months. He says, I came out of rehab. I was out for a couple months. He says, I went back into rehab to work for them. And now 14 years later, this guy walks into our church and walks down to greet me and say, God's done an amazing thing in my life. I said, George, what a story. What a story. 
You know, you just never know what it is that God's going to do in somebody's life. Here he is, you know, his life is totally jacked. And God makes something beautiful out of him. I tell you, God wants to do that in every person's life. Whether you're here or people that aren't here or people that are watching, that's what he wants to do. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, we love you tonight. And we're grateful for what it is you've done for us. Help us, Lord, to understand and know these truths and to walk in the light of them. Father, help us as believers to make our declaration of what it is that you have done, that which you have provided, hallelujah, by your benevolent and gracious hand. And God, I just thank you for victory in every person's life, every home, every family. I thank you, Lord God. Praise God. We will not take no for an answer. We just thank you for your mercy and your goodness, your divine grace and your power in every home, every family of the people, Father, that make Fellowship Church their home. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen.